All right, uh, thank you for joining us, Neil. Very excited to have you. Um, let's let's go back to the very beginning. Uh, where'd you grow up, and when did you get started playing basketball? Well, I grew up in Prince Rupert, and uh, if you follow basketball, the 64 Raymakers won the Provincials, and uh, everybody in Prince Rupert had to play basketball, or they did play basketball. So I, I went organized basketball in 1965. I was 10 years old and uh, played in the league there. And uh, just made made my way up through the system and played for the Raymakers. And it's, uh, you know, they complain about single sport kids. I grew up in a single sport town where everybody played basketball. And when I tried out in grade nine for the junior team, there was probably 100 kids tried out for the team. And they could all play. You know, so it's a, it's a town where you, you really didn't get a choice. And it, it's... Uh, it's a fantastic town as far as uh, basketball goes. I was doing some research. There's uh, like nine guys that went to the same high school as I did that are in the Hall of Fame in BC here. So it's kind of an interesting thing. That's fantastic. And then so how were your teams when you played there? And then uh, what, what was the experience like? You know, I have the distinct uh, – I was on the first Raymaker team that ever lost to Terrace. So you could imagine, uh, I'm in the hall of shame up there. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many years they played basketball against Terrace, 50, 60 years, and I'm on the first team that lost. Uh, but our team was pretty good. I mean, we were ranked in the top 10. Uh, I guess we, there was only one league back then. So, and so you finished playing, and then you, you end up going to play after, after high school. Where where'd you go, and what was that experience like? Well, what happened was, I, I'll be honest with you, I was not a good student, really had no interest in university. And I tried out for the provincial under-19 team. And my ex-high school co uh, PE teacher was the coach. So I got through the tryouts and I got right to the very end. And he said, uh, I can't take you on the team because you're the only guy that's not going to university. So I said, oh, okay, I'll go to university. And he goes, it's not that simple. You know, so uh, Jimmy Ciccone, who was a really good player at Simon Fraser, he said, contact uh, Vancouver College and talk to them. So that's how I ended up going to uh, Langara and playing at Langara. That's a very interesting thing. You know, we uh, obviously we haven't had U19 provincial teams for quite a while, but, you know, through these interviews, the amount of times that U19 provincial teams actually had a huge impact on somebody's life is, is uh, I think it's like five or six people already have talked about it. So it's very interesting how impactful it's been on people's careers, yet we don't have that program anymore. So it's, it's, uh, it's, an, interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. In the day, that was the only team that you could play in after high school. There wasn't a U17 team. It was a U19 team, and that was the one team that the entire province tried out for little bit different now with uh, all the clubs that are out there so so you you, you end up going to Lankara um how's the team who's the coach uh how's it go uh Doc McCallum was the coach really good guy uh strict uh our team was pretty good I mean Langara in those days won the the league every year there was no competition um I I, I was thinking of things that Dunk did, like we would come in into practice, you had to have your socks pulled up. And those were the days of the long socks. 
you had to have your socks pulled up and your shirt tucked in. And I was a, always a bit of a rebel, and I'd not do it. And he'd say, Brown, pull your socks up. Why? Because I said so. And they go, but what's the point? We can pull them down when we're playing. Because I said so. One day, when you coach, you'll understand what I'm saying. And it took me a long time, but I finally, I, I saw him years later, and I said, Dunk, I get it now. You know, so it's kind of interesting. So, so you play Langara, and then did you get your teaching degree right away, or did you wait a little bit? Um, I played at Langara, and then I wanted to move on and try uh, CIAU at the time. But, you know, BC, there's UVic, um, UBC, and SFU. There was nowhere, there were not 10 schools in BC like it is now. So a friend of mine was uh, playing at Lakehead University. And, uh, you know, I grew up with him. And I probably played a million games with him. And he ended up being an All-Canadian that year. So he told the coach, hey, if you're looking for a point guard, I know one out of BC. So I get a phone call saying, hey, do you want to come and play at Lakehead? You know, typical me, not the greatest geography student in the world. I go, sure. He goes, okay, you're in. I got to go find a map. Where the hell is Lakehead? It's in Thunder Bay. All right, let's go. I had no clue. You know, so I jump on a plane. Boom, I'm in Thunder Bay and played a year there. And it was good. I mean, we had a good squad. I think the highest we got ranked was five in, uh, in Canada. There's some good guys. I played with Jim Zoot, who is all Canadian, played for uh, Detroit Pistons for a little bit. Uh, but it, it was, it's a great experience. I mean, I got to play against guys, say, Charlie Wise, who was uh, MVP in the, I think it's called the Big Five in Philadelphia area. And uh, it, it was good. Martin Riley got to play against Martin Riley uh, three or four times. So it was a really great experience. But the best experience was I realized after all this, you're not very good. You know, I, I was putting in a lot of time to not be very good. And uh, I sort of thought at the end, hey, you know, this playing is just not for me. I want to stay involved in it, so I'm going to get into coaching. And that, that was my next move. So you went into coaching. Uh, how did your teaching come into it and how did coaching get into it? Where, where we got started and how that go? Well, when I went back to Prince Rupert, and uh, my younger brother, pretty good player, uh, they didn't have a coach in grade eight. Uh, so I ended up coaching th their team. Um, I ended up going on a bit of a holiday the next year. I came back. I coached them when they were in grade 10. And then I went to UBC. And uh, I took a course with Peter Mullins, which was actually an incredible course. I mean, if anyone was ever into basketball, that would be the course to take. Uh, he offered me the JV boys team at UBC. And I held out for more money. And uh, when I went back, he said, sorry, the job's gone. But he said, go see Jack Pomfret. So I did. Uh, and the money with Mullins was 1500 for a year. So when I got the girl's job, it was only $1,000. So I lost that. Plus, I had to do the JV team and be an assistant on the varsity team. So, you know, not that smart when it comes to money deals, that's for sure. <laughs> So, so I, I, yeah, I coached at UBC for, I think, three or four years anyway. All, all the whole time on the girls' side? Yep. And how were you guys as teams back then? You know, it was, uh, 
when I, I get the job, you know, and again, I'm mindless. I don't follow it. So I, I said, well, Jack, how's the team going to be? He goes, well, I think we're going to be better than we were last year. So I said, well, how'd we do last year? We were 0-30. So I said, well, of course we're going to do better. We went 1-29. There you go. Thank God for Trinity Western University, because that's the only team we beat. So, you know, I'll be honest with you. I just now decided that we're going to become a good program. And I didn't go to a lot of classes. I just worked out with kids in the gym. the following year, we went uh, 10 and 19. Then we went 14 and 16. And then we went 16 and 14. So it took, you know, three years to get a winning season. But, again, Canada West is a very tough league to play in. Back then, to get 30 games, who were you guys playing? Uh, well, it, you played home and away two games. You know, so you got two games with Saskatchewan, and then you'd go to Saskatchewan for two. So... And then there, we went to tournaments each year. Uh, you know, we, there, I can't tell you exactly who we played, but you probably got 20 games in Canada West and then nine exhibition games type thing. So you finish off uh, your four years at UBC. What got you to move on to the next spot? Well, it's a long story again. We, we were going out to UBC to practice one day, and there was this lineup of students, I'll say a mile long, and I pulled in, it was in the winter complex at UBC. And I said to somebody, what's going on? There's a hiring fair down in the United States. And we went, what? I, don't, what? I didn't know anything about it. So I had a key to get in the building. So Kathy and I went through the back door and went in the building and it was just a chaotic mess. And uh, people were fighting, shoving, because they're all trying to get these jobs. They were stacking resumes. People were sliding the resumes up at the top of the piles. And uh, Kathy went around trying to pass the resumes. And I just sat down. And there was a man at a table. So I, I just chatted him up. And he was from uh, Southern California. And he was just talking about it. And it was we were just carrying on a conversation. And Kathy came back. And I made a comment. Hey, have, did you hire any fee socials people? And he started laughing. goes, there's literally thousands of you people. Why do you all take the same degree? I go, well, what do you think? It's easy. Why, why not? Anyway, we're just talking. And he said, oh, my God, I forgot. I was supposed to hire a female PE socials. Kathy said, I have a degree. He says, you do? You want to go to California? We go, sure, you're hired. Again, we go home, get a atlas out. Where are we going? So we went, ended up in a town called Victorville, California. And uh, it was loaded up the U-Haul, boom, down to California. It was in a desert. We're, I'm thinking we're going to be by the ocean. We were probably two hours from the ocean. But it was a, a fantastic experience. Well, Victorville nowadays, there's actually quite a few people that live there. Back then, probably not so much. Oh, it was very small. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm a university coach. I'm going to come into town here and uh, set the world on fire. And I... I wanted to switch back to boys. So I went up to high school and I didn't know anything about it. I, I go introduce myself to the coach and we start talking and uh, he'd actually won a couple of state championships at Victorville high school. And his name was Ollie Butler. And I said, Hey, I'd like to join your staff. And he said, uh, Oh, what can you offer? And we talked and stuff. And he said, uh, 
I said, I'd like to be your assistant. He goes, my assistant's been with me 28 years. And I said, well, I'll do the freshman team. He said, my freshman coach has been with me for 15 years. And I said, what, what can I do? He says, you can be the advanced scout. You go find out who we're playing. You write up the reports. And, you know, I just said, that's really, I want to be at practice. I want to work with kids. I want to learn. He says, well, I got nothing for you, but you're welcome to hang out. So I would just go to his practices and walk around with him at practice. And, and he treated me awesome. You know, I could ask questions. And I, I said to him, you know, I want to learn to build a championship program like you. And he says, do you want the first thing you have to do? I go, no, sweep the floor every day. I go, what the hell's that? He goes, you sweep the floor every day so they know that you're willing to do the lowest job. And uh, they'll work hard for you if you do that. So from, from then on, I, I've swept the floor every day, you know, till I quit coaching. And uh, it was interesting walking with him because he would, down this, there's no shot clock then. So he would say, my emphasis is ball control, you know, ball possession. I'm, and they practice, and these kids were so good. And he would say, oh, just a sec. And he would stop the practice and just unload on somebody because they didn't catch a ball clean. And he goes, uh, you watch practice now. Boy, that practice was tight. And uh, it was just great to watch him. He explained how to use the school system to get a championship program. Uh, I went to the JV practices. I went to the freshman practices. And they, they kind of showed me how you build a program within a school. Uh, all the different things. They, I mean, they got strength coaches there. So I got to go in, uh, learn the strength programs for high school. What year is this? Oh, probably. I'm trying to think my mind's like 85 six seven eight i don't know okay so stri strength coach back then for basketball is pretty rare i would imagine yeah but it was not in not in the states i mean we the size of your gymnasium would be the size of their weight room and uh it's it, it's phenomenal and you go in there and they've got you know a strength coach they got assistant strength coach they've got uh physical therapist on staff you know, so everything is done, you know, and, and, and athletics is huge. I mean, our school was fairly big, 2,500, but our football stadium would seat 10,000 wow. and they would bring in portable stands. So for a high school game, 16,000 people at your high school game, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, no kidding. So how long do you end up staying in California? Uh, three, four years. And what, what makes you leave? My wife. She said, I'm going back to Canada. Are you coming? And I said, uh, come on. It's, I love this place. It was so you – know, we would go to UCLA games, USC games, Pepperdine. I mean, we just went to games everywhere. It's so fun. Uh, but she said, uh, you know, I don't want to raise my kids in the States. I don't like how they treat people down here. You know, lots not changed. And uh, Apparently. <laughs> so what, what, where did they end up going back home? Well, we came back and we, so we said, let's pick a town to live in. We really, uh, you know, we didn't, we, we didn't really have a, a, a town in mind. And so we looked at Vancouver again, housing market was a little high. 
uh, went to uh, Surrey. That was high. We ended up in Langley and uh, applied, you know, for a job. They said, well, there's nothing, but you can sub. And a friend of mine was uh, coaching at Mountain Secondary. So he said, uh, hey, I can get you a good deal here if, if you'll help me coach. So the principal called me in to sub at that school every day, whether I had, had a class to cover or not. It was kind of, I probably get in trouble for saying that. But uh, so I just coached at Mountain Secondary. Uh, we had a pretty good squad. Uh, didn't make the BCs, but that was the old Fraser Valley again where there, it was huge, you know, and I, we made it to the final eight, but uh, didn't make the BCs. Partway through that year, I got a call saying, uh, hey, do you want to get a job? Uh, do you want to work at Aldergrove Secondary? There was some trouble, some teacher got beat up. I don't really know exactly what happened, but uh, I went into Aldergrove and it was, uh, it was just a fantastic school to go to because it's a little rough, but it was uh, very similar to Prince Rupert. You know, kids are a little rough around the edge in Prince Rupert. So I went there and uh, I coached girls my first year. And uh, like I say, well, that was when I played Danny Gardner's team. And uh, we were ranked number two in the province, ended up screwing up, you know, bad coaching, I'll be honest with you. And uh, we didn't go to the BCs. And then the next year, I, I wanted to implement what I had learned at, in California. So you have to start young. So I have to start with the grade eights. And I couldn't make my mind up whether I wanted to coach boys or girls. So I said, I'll coach both teams. So I coached grade eight girls and grade eight boys. And I had a good squad. The boys, Nor and, you know, Veal and the boys. That was my first grade eight team. Your first team, you step into that group. Yep. But, again, they weren't as good as they turned out. And I coached the girls' team, which was better. Oh, really? And we end up – I don't think they, neither team lost a whole lot. And now we go to the Fraser Valleys, and they both play at the same time. So it's like, who are you going to coach? So I got parents on this and, you know, on my case. And I ended up asking people to help me. No one would help. So I had to get my wife, who was coaching at uh, West Wally at the time. I said, could you come out and coach the girls? And that didn't go over well. Um, I, the girls were totally, you know, mad. I abandoned them. And I ended up, we went to the, uh, you know, Fraser Valley did our thing. And uh, I ended up having to make a decision. So I switched to the boys. And, you know, you, you mentioned, well, these guys were pretty good. Yeah, they were pretty good, but uh, we, we joke about it. Three of the best players, uh, you've never heard of them because they didn't make it because they were in jail by grade nine. Oh, really? And, they were, <laughs> yeah. and we were laughing about that saying, man, imagine if those guys still play because they were some big kids, six, two guys that were really good, but they were really bad characters. So they ended up going, doing their own thing. And, uh, I coached the boys after that and took those guys right through. So I got to implement all the things that I had learned in uh, California. And I, I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm lucky, but I, I, what we did, implementing all the things I learned from Butler and some of my own stuff, and we just progressively got better and better and better to where we, you know, were the best team in BC. And, uh, 
I try to joke to people saying, it's not that hard to, to build a really good team. Building a really good program is super hard. So after I had done that, my wife said, uh, we had two kids by then, Christine and Jesse, and my wife said, hey, is there any time in the near future you're going to help me parent these kids? And I said, uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And you asked Randy and the guys, I would have to bring Christine to practice because she was mine. So I would put a list on the board, uh, 6 to 6.15, Chris Veal. Brandy Norris, 6.15 to 6.30. And they had to deal with her as part of the practice. And they went, well, what a surprise. <laughs> I go, then get her out of the gym. Go cry somewhere else. And uh, so I tried to say, well, if you if you not can't do it, get a girlfriend. Get your mom down here. So mom started to come to practice and take my kid and deal with it. And when I finished coaching, my wife said, uh, oh, actually, Christina said something that was, uh, that shocked me. She said, you know, dad, I want to play for you one day, but I can't. And she would be so really young. I don't know, three or four years old, whatever. And she said, uh, I want to play for you, but you don't have girls basketball at Aldergrove. So I got to go play at West Wally. And I went, well, what are you talking about? She goes, well, you don't have girls, but I had never taken her to a girls game. She had only seen boys play, but when she went with my wife, she saw the girls play, and my wife said, uh, I'm going to let you keep coaching, but you're going to switch the girls. So our daughters have role models. And I went, yeah, okay. So I ended up switching to girls, and that's when I had Darcy Arsini and those kids at Aldergrove, and we, we were pretty so Hold on a second. You're missing some stuff. So how would your teams do when you were uh, on the guy side? T t tell us about it. Oh, well, we – and we we're pretty good. I mean, we were ranked grade 10. When they're grade 10, we we're ranked number one. And we sort of came out of, you know, no one really knew much about us. And of course, uh, we didn't make the provincials, which another one of my famous strong teams don't make provincials. And, uh, but there were some injuries, some stuff happened. But uh, these kids, very good players. So we ended up winning the provincials uh, when they're in grade 11, double A boys. And then, uh, when they were in grade 12, that was the big thing. People say, well, you should go triple A. And uh, we put it to a vote. I convinced them. And it wasn't, it wasn't really a vote, let's be honest. And I wanted to make a statement that you can stay in your tier and you can still be the best team in the province. And uh, I took some flack for it. And I said some stupid things that got me in trouble, which not unusual for me. But um, we were the best team in the province, bar none. I mean, we Richmond was number one in the province. We beat them. And the four teams that were in the finals, like the team that won it that year, Lady Smith, we beat by 51. You know, so, I mean, we were good. I mean, we just had some really strong kids. You know, it's funny you said, uh, you know, uh, Randy is a very neat guy because you, you watch him. I remember when he was at UBC. I'm not, I'm not old enough to see him before UBC, but I saw him at UBC coaching. And I thought that his attitude kind of transferred to the team. I thought, I thought his toughness kind of went to the, to the kids. And I thought, I thought they got the most out of the situation because he was actually so, yeah, he, he played, he kind of coached with grit kind of deal. And um, it's interesting because, you know, you obviously have a lot of kids that you've coached, but I, I think he's, 
you know, he, he's definitely maximized on his potential uh, as a as a player from what I've heard. But also, I thought he I thought he did a fantastic job as a coach as well. Well, the kid is uh, he's less, he's a winner at whatever at every level he's been at. I mean, he won two provincials in high school, two provincials for uh, at Langara in the CCAA. Or sorry, he won two nationals at Langara, and then he went to St. Francis Xavier and won two nationals with them. I mean, he was MVP in Canada twice. And I always say he's an example. I always say he's, a, he's an ordinary guy that did extraordinary things. And if you watch him in a weight room, I mean, the, the guy could bench press huge amount of weight. And what we tried to say was, uh, you know, strength negates height. You know, if you're strong, you don't need to be. So one of the things I had learned through coaching California, so I had Nor and those guys as a, as a class for five years. So I had my basketball team as a class for five years. That's what they did in California. And the admin let me run one. So I could do my strength training. I could do my conditioning. I could do my agility, my speed training all in a PE class. So when we went to practice, I only focused on basketball now. So we didn't run, we didn't run a lot of set of lines or anything like that because we do all that during school time. So it was a huge uh, advantage for us. But Nor, he, he's just the toughest guy. You know, we used to laugh. Nor had, you know, he's a great I, I like, literally, you can tell. You can just tell by looking at him. You know, all of our kids were quite strong kids. Like, if you went in there, uh, a lot of them are bench pressing. In high school, 250, 280. Some of the guys could bench 300. You know, that's a lot of weight for, for not real big guys. But, you know, Nor just bought into it, and he has a natural leadership ability. Um, you know, I hear coaches say, you know, do you train leaders? Do you make leaders? Or how did you get these leaders? But I'm a believer that you're, you're, a, you're a natural born leader, that you have it. And one of the things that we talked a lot about was allow leaders to lead allow coaches to coach and there's a great video out that you know I showed my kids every year it's called like the first follower and I don't know if you can YouTube it or Google it now and it's some crazy guy dancing in a at a rock concert I don't know he's probably high or something but all of a sudden one person joins him then two then four then ten then there's thousands doing it so we said to the kids you don't have to be the leader be a good follower and th those kids allowed Nor to be a leader. And, and he was just good at it. He didn't abuse it. And he just got those kids all playing at a level that other kids just didn't, I don't know, couldn't or didn't want to play at that level. But the kid is a leader. That's all I can say. So you were talking about Veal there. So Veal was a pretty good player himself? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. I, we keep in touch. We have uh, – uh, I don't know that WhatsApp app or whatever it is where our team is on there. And Dale, I, I got a, I got a question the other day from Corey York. Who is better, me or Veal in grade eight? And so I, I got to go with, I go, well, Veal was better in grade eight and you were better in grade nine. Nor, nor got bet was the better one in grade 11 max or max mute than nor was the best in grade 12. And, they go back and forth. These guys are 40-some years old, and they're arguing about who was the best when they were 15 or 14, you know. That's funny. 
So, so you get up, you, you're coaching there. Uh, your teams are very good. And then what happens? Where do you go? From well, I lived in Brookswood. And uh, well, you know what? Actually, I have, a, I have another question. How come you and your wife are never at the same school? Um, when we came back, she knew uh, administrators in Surrey. People just liked her better or what, what happened? Uh, well, she's a far nicer person. You've met her. I know, clearly. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. But she, she knew administrators in Surrey. And I had a connection in Langley. So she phoned up her connections and they said, come on in, I'll give you a job. So she got a job in Surrey, I got a job in Langley. So we've always just stayed apart that way. Um, the only time we coached together, uh, when Christina was maybe grade four, uh, we started taking her across the border. And I couldn't be there all the time because I had tournaments and stuff. So my wife became you know, the club, South Langley club coach. And uh, she doesn't get enough credit. You know, we won, you know, I, I don't know, 11 provincial championships at uh, Brookswood. She probably responsible for like six or seven or eight of them. You know, she, she got the kids going at a very young age and we got to take them, you know, as they came up, so. Yeah, and so, okay, so you're at Olive Grove. What happens after Olive Grove? Um, well, I wanted to, you know, so we show, you know, in my own mind, we, we showed how to build a championship team, but now I wanted to build a championship program. And, you know, let, let me be honest here. It's easier to get kids to switch schools and go to Brookswood than it would be to switch and go to uh, Aldergrove. And it wasn't that we were recruiting them, but we, we could build a better program so that it would tr attract kids to come to it. And I felt Brookswood would be a better deal. So there was a guy teaching at Brookswood who lived in Aldergrove, and I was teaching at Aldergrove and lived in Brookswood. So we just got together and said, hey, you want to switch jobs? So he went there and I went there and he built championship rugby programs and soccer, which he could do at uh, Brookswood. And I got to go in and do basketball. So it was a great, um, start because they they had a they had some okay teams at Brookswood I think young but they they never went to the Fraser Valleys I don't think they'd been to the Fraser Valleys so he got to go in and uh, I, I got lucky you know my first group that I get there I had Danica Boy Sarah Cameron so they could play there in grade eight but I had a I coached a youth team grade sevens but on that team I had um, Sasha McKinnon, Candace Morissette, Kelsey Adrian, Daniel Laurie. So I had all those kids. So I was doing a grade seven team and a grade eight team. So then when they came up, uh, I had, I coached grade eight and I coached junior. So I could run my own system with both levels. And I, that's the key to it. Your grade eight coach can't run this system. And then you bring them up the next year and say, okay, everything you learned, let's change it. And, one of the great things that Brian Lee's done at, uh, at Semiamo is the kids have run the same, they run the same plays they ran six years ago. Yeah. And what, what I get to do is layer everything. And then we take it down it, at Aldergrove. We ran, we called them little dribblers. And uh, we, we had the same program at uh, Brookswood and you get kids. We, we brought it down to grade three 
So I get to start teaching them what I want them to do in grade three. And I bring them right up. When they come in grade seven, those kids can play. You know, so they come in in grade eight and uh, they can play. But we've also taken them across the border for three, four years. So these kids have played a lot of basketball. So when they go up against somebody, Argyle, the kids never played down the States. Our kids have played, you know, 150, 200 games across the border. Yeah. So they could play. And uh, I try to say to people, if you're going to – now it's a lot different because there's so many uh, leagues to play in down there. So the level has dropped quite a bit. But we went down and we did not win games, I think, six years of taking kids down there. We didn't win a game. And then we won one game. And we actually cheated. We brought a grade uh, seven kid to play on our grade 16 because <laughs> we were short. She had two foul shots. We won the game. We won one game in six years. You go to Dairy Queen, straight to Dairy Queen? Great, man. I treated everybody. <laughs> you can get a chocolate dip one. But, uh, you know, it, 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 and there, again, it, it, it's like the, I don't know, what's that show? The Dog Whisperer guy on TV. You know, he says, uh, so we go, we, we rehabilitate kids and we train adults. That's, that's what I tried to do. Because you go down there and parents are going, I thought you could coach. How did you win provincials? Dude, you just lost by 93. I go, yeah, don't panic. We'll do okay. And I had parents wanting to get out of our group, go somewhere else because we couldn't win games. But I try to explain to them where we're playing is the relevant thing. And, you know, like Sasha McKinnon crew, we went down there and we got just slaughtered. We were playing the team Bellevue, Bellevue Stars, and we lost. We didn't get the ball across center in the first half. They pressed the crap out of you. We weren't good enough. So we went into halftime, and I said, look, you're doing a great job. They kind of look at me and go, what? And I said, when we get that ball across center, you cheer like we won the Olympics. You got it? So we go back out there, the team doesn't press us. So I call a timeout right away. I go down and say, hey, coach, could you press us? And he said, are you crazy? You're the worst team we've ever seen. <laughs> so I said, I know, but I think we're going to get it across center. So he goes, okay. And we go out there. He presses. We turn it over 20 times. We get it across. The gym erupts. The fans, everybody, parents. And we're dancing. Kids are dancing on the bench because we cross center. And down there, if you foul somebody when they're shooting because it's running time games, they just give you a point. And we lost 82 to 2. And we got fouled on a shot. So we never made a basket. And that probably included the warm-up too. But on that team, you know, you got a Kelsey Adrian played at UC Berkeley. Sasha McKinnon played at Utah. Candace Morissette. MVP in the tournament, uh, UBC, like we, Danielle Laurie, MVP softball. Like we had great kids and it just took a while, but that team went back and we went in the basketball BCU 13 and the parents are going, Oh, we're going to get killed. We won the provincials and they go, How are we so bad? I go, no, we're not bad. It's bad up here. So we're learning. And every team that we brought down there got slaughtered but every team won the U13 Provincials. 
So, yeah, you know, when we... I just got started coaching, I, I went and watched uh, your Brooksville team play in the provincial final. I remember Sasha McKinnon going 12 for 12. I, I, it's been, I don't know, it's got to be 17 years. What, what year did she graduate? 2004, maybe, or five. Yeah, so maybe my second or third year coaching. I, I was just 12 for 12. She had the perfect stat line. Like, the stats, they were perfect. And I remember – watching Candace run the show. I sat right behind your bench, so I just watched the whole thing. Well, it, Sasha McKinnon, like a lot of people, the kids that went down the States and played, like I think we've had 10 kids go down D1. And Sasha McKinnon would have been the worst athlete of them all. Like if you saw her in grade seven, you would laugh. Like she'd Bambi. She couldn't run. She'd fall down, couldn't stop, no balance. Uh, and a goofy kid. And all of a sudden, she decided she'd get serious about it. So when the gym's open in the morning, she's in every morning at 7 o'clock. And she just developed into a shooter. And it just progressed and progressed and progressed. And she made the junior national team. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, I, you know, I don't have the genetics to make teams. Sasha McKinnon didn't have the genetics to be a good high school player. And yet she played national teams and played, you know, down the States for four years. So she's a real success story. I love that kid. Well, we had, um, we had Bruce on the other day and he was talking about what their program used to do like time-wise in the gym. And it was an extraordinary amount of time. And he just, <clears throat> just listening to what you said so far. So essentially playing in, in your program when you guys were good, it was, it was morning shooting optional. But not really. Is that is that um, the truth? It's optional, but so is it's optional whether I let you play or not. <laughs> you know, so yeah, morning shooting. Then you had uh, basketball class where you did the strength and conditioning. You did that at Brookswood as well. Yep. And then two hours of basketball practice. Yep. So kids were I, I pretty much they were doing five five and a half hours a day every day, correct? Yeah. Um, and what we did at Brookswood, because I'm, we're building the program, I would have a senior team PE, I'd have a junior team PE, and a grade eight. So I've got every basketball kid in the school in my classes. So I can train them. And again, what you learn in grade eight in your PE class builds for your junior class. And what you learn in junior goes to your senior class. So, I mean, I had all the basketball kids in the school for the girls under my control you know so it was uh easy to do and then summertime uh we opened the gym six to eight at night every day of the summer and you it you come in and uh there's coaches there i mean we some nights you know what one night was kind of funny we had six coaches sitting there ready to work with kids one kid showed up and i think that kid said I'm never going in again because everybody took 20 minutes with her and she was just exhausted but you know we, we we had two shooting machines we set them up we had rebounders and we the kids just work hard you know and you know hey we can all get good at something if we stuck around yeah you gotta spend the time um so you know, uh, Candace was also one of the one of the great ones that I like watching. But I remember Kelsey Adrian as a young player. I mean, I think I watched her playing grade nine. Uh, what an unbelievable player that she was at that time. Talk about 
you know, she at, probably in high school as a great night, she was probably one of the best in the history of the province, would you say? Yeah, I, you know, Cal Sadin was an interesting one because she, she was, uh, I guess, genetically, she's good. I mean, she's a big, tall kid in grade eight, you know, and she, uh, her dad was a counselor at school. So, you know, he, he wasn't used to getting up in the morning, bringing kids in, but he got up for five years to bring his daughters in in the morning. So she would work every morning and she got into the provincial program. So she, I think she played provincial, you know, they had more teams in those days, U15, U16, U17. So she got, you know, picked up by, you know, Alison McNeils and stuff. So she started working with them, but she's, uh, you know, a, a real combination of she's a smart kid, uh, genetically gifted. So yeah, she's, she was good. So now, Throughout your coaching career, talk about some adversity that you had to deal with uh, to, to get you through to the next level. You had, kind of had to overcome it. Um, well, when I said you have to rehabilitate the kids and train the parents, you, it, it's true. And there were so many times we have to have parent meetings about, you know, what we're trying to do. Like parents will complain. Yeah, Ask your parents, sit down and ask a parent, say, name the best five kids on your team. They'll name their daughter and the best four. And eight parents will give you that. Very few of them are honest about it. Or maybe they are being honest because that's what they see. And it, it's hard to get parents to buy in. So what I try to say to them is, I will treat everybody equally. Come in the morning, I will guarantee I will work with you every morning. Uh, I can't guarantee you're going to be any good, but I guarantee you, I'll give you my best effort. You give your best effort and we'll see where it lies. And some people, you know, just buy right into it. You know, Louise Forsyth, I don't think she missed the morning. Uh, a lot of kids, they just do not miss. Other kids, they, they would come in half the time. So if they didn't play, I would say, I don't have the confidence in your daughter because I don't see it. But when I'm there every morning and I see somebody, what they do, I can correct them, work with them. Uh, I do get the confidence. So when they get in and play, uh, that's all I can say to the parent. But it's, the hardest thing is when you – how do I say this one? Like I had a team that was – there were a lot of good players, but not Christina's team when they were in grade 12. Uh, there, we, were, we were ranked one, two in the province. And the parents were all caught up in who's getting letters from universities, who's getting this. And they would lie to each other in the stands about what letters they got. And this is my interest. And then they come to me and how is she getting interest? And I'm not. And I try to say, I don't think they got a letter. I think they're lying to you. This is what parents do. So this is sound funny. I came home. I said to my wife, pick a state. So she picks Montana. I said, north, south, east, west. And she picked a direction. I don't want to tell, say where. And so I look it up. Yes, there's a, a university named that thing. I email them and say, my name's Neil Brown. I'm the coach of Brookswood Secondary. We've won some provincials. Um, I've got a center. Her name is Sassy. And I made up a, that's my dog's name. And I said, 
that she's like an old hound dog chasing that ball. No ball gets by Sassy. She is the absolute best. And I got a cat quick point guard. Her name is Abby, fake name. And Abby was my cat's name. I get a letter back from them saying, we've heard about these players. Can you send us some game film on them? So I photocopied all the dog, the let that my cat and dog got a recruiting letter and I gave it to all the parents. And I said, that's the hard thing is to get a letter. So they kind of slowed down a little bit there, but the jealousies in the program are very difficult to deal with. You know, oh. the Aldergrove, like say the Aldergrove boys were the best. They, they, there was really so little bit of jealousy with those kids, girls far more. Yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe it's a guy's thing, maybe it's a girl's thing, I'm not really sure, but, like, um, I know on our guys' team when I played, we knew who the best players were. We maybe didn't like them, like, everybody, like, but you always knew, like, at the end of the game, you want this person to have the ball, maybe you need to shoot if you want to win. Like, it's just, it was, it was, it was fundamental, like, you know, we knew who the best player was, uh, and it was like, they need the ball, and if they get the ball, we got a better chance of winning, and that was all that really mattered. And so it's kind of, it's kind of different, but I, maybe it's just different groups. Maybe it's just different groups. I don't know. Yeah. Like I've had, when you have a team that the 12th player is really not as good as the one and two, but not bad, uh, that causes problems. When your best player is Ace Koenig and them, the jealousy is not as much, you know? So when you have a team that's uh, like the team I had, I had some teams at Brookswood that were, you know, the 12th man got a scholarship or scholarship offer in basketball. You know, even um, Jesse's team that, that, that won the provincials, every kid on that team got a scholarship offer. Some of them didn't take it. But, you know, when you got every kid on it, 12 kids on the team get a scholarship offer. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you end up coaching at Brooks, uh, the program ends up being very good. You end up taking some time away from the girls' program. You go to the guys' program. Uh, you actually have a couple good guys' teams, ironically, <laughs> at Brookswood. Um, well, that one I had a falling out with some parents. And there was, I don't know, I don't, don't want to really get into it, but, I mean, there there's some threats made, and I go, good, I'll solve that one. See ya. And uh, I had the boys. I, I work with the boys in the morning, too. It's not like I, but everyone comes in, wants help, I'll work with you. So Brent Malish was a really good guy player. So I'd worked with him in the morning. And uh, so I, I just got into coaching them. And uh, yeah, the rest is sort of like, we went to the provincials twice, which is kind of odd because uh, I, you know, I just sort of slid in and we go to the provincials. But I mean, we had Graham Bath. Uh, yeah, Graham player for sure. Yeah, guys go play at university. It was pretty good. And then you end up coming back to girls to coach your own kids. So talk about that experience of coaching your own kids at that level of uh, com competition. Well, it, it's hard to coach your own kids. Like Christina, not as good of a player as Jesse, but a far better teammate than Jesse. You know, very different type of kids. Um, you know, we had worked with our kids, you know, Christina's team, grade four, grade five, grade six, grade seven. Now I get to pick them up in grade eight. So this kid's called play. And same with Jesse. Uh, Christina, far easier 
to work with because she was not the best player on the team. Uh, you know, she fit in, she starts some games, you know, more all-rounded player. So there's not the problem. Jesse, on the other hand, is the best player by quite a bit. And that creates issues because, you know, here's a kid putting up, you know, 30 shots in grade eight and people are going, share the ball. I'm, you know, I'm kind of going, gym's open every morning to share. Come on in. You know, so that created some bit more issues, but it's fun, but it does cause problems. I'm, let's be honest. You know, you're, you know, we, we didn't lose many games with those kids in, in DC here. So, you know, for all the years I coached my own kids, we didn't lose probably 15 games between the two of them. But with down the States, it's tougher. And, and it, you know, when you lose games, 80 points, 60 points, 50 points, you know, a 40 point loss was a good day. And sometimes it's hard talking to your kid about it. And all she wants to do is go to the Dairy Queen. And they, I, I wanted them to take the game far more serious than they did at a young age. And, you know, that caused problems. But my wife was the buffer. And she knows when to say, uh, you know, calm down or just shut up and drive. You know, so my wife was a good buffer. Yeah, but it's you hard. definitely need that. That has to happen. It's hard when you, when you, I always say to the kids, you know, I gotta, I'm going to teach you to believe in yourself. And that's not that hard, I'll be honest with you. Now I have to make you believe you're better than you are. And then when you do that, now I got to make you believe you could be great. And some can buy into that and take it to that level. Others just go, hey, this is way too, too hard. I'm fine. I'm happy who I am. But it's a case of always pushing somebody to get better and better and better. And that's not always uh, a steady climb. You know, you can have your down times. But uh, I always felt my job was to get kids to believe in themselves and to really become great and you know i mean we we won a fair bit you know we won a few provincials we've got uh, i think we had eight kids make national teams i think we had 10 kids play but I, veal and i one day were sitting in the gym you know no kids showed up that night or whatever and we went through all the banners and we're trying to see who was on that team and how many kids have played post-secondary and, you know, we were something like 55 kids that played post-secondary. That's a lot for, for one school. Totally. You know, we're getting four or five kids a year playing post-secondary. So that's pretty good. You know, it's funny. When I went, uh, I went back to STA and I coached, um, we ended up losing the provincial final and in overtime. And so I was, I, you know, obviously when you do that, you think about it for quite a bit. And, and, I, and I remember saying to myself, like, you know, you kind of let a couple of these kids off the hook by not pushing them harder. And you know, and it was by far the best teams ever in the history of the school. Even now, with all the talent that they had the last couple of years, they still never, uh, you know, did what we did when we were there. But it, it's kind of it, talk about the balance between pushing as hard as, as you can, and then kind of knowing when you kind of need to take it easy, and then how you figure out what that what that balance is. Um, one of the things we we. We, we don't really talk a lot about winning. Eh? I'll be honest with you. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about, you know, the winning takes care of itself. 
But when we get to, we call them banner games. And that's a phrase of Valley or provincial. So we say, it's the banner game. This is history. Because nobody, well, some people put them up, but we don't put up, uh, we were second place in the province. We were third place in the province. There's one. And we call them banner games. And we make jokes about it. You know, say, when you're 60 years old, and you can't run anymore you're going to bring your granddaughters in here and you're going to say grandma played on that team in 2004 and you can brag about it but you don't bring her in a gym and there's no banners up there so we we really push that whole thing about your history your legacy uh, the memories you will have about you know the championship programs you played on and i think we were we were talking the other day, Viola and I, and I think pretty well every kid that we've had at Brookswood played on a provincial championship team, except I must say the last couple of years. But everybody won a grade eight provincials or they won a junior provincials or they won, like I think we, we've got six AAA provincials. So every kid has played on a provincial championship team, which is very unusual for, you know, a 20 year run out of school so sure the last the last couple of years you had two very very special players uh talk about what it was like to have Forsyth and ace on your teams and kind of what they did to kind of translate it to the next level well louise Forsyth is uh it's hard to explain to people how committed that kid is to her game you know, whether or not she's uh, too focused. I always accused her of being too focused and too into it. Take a day off. But, you know, I met Louise when she was in grade three. And her mom would say, oh, this is Coach Brown, because I coached uh, Linda at UBC. And she would say, this was my university coach. And they would always say, Louise is going to come and play for you. And I go, yeah, well, I'm out in Langley or whatever. And they go, oh, that's okay. We'll move to Langley. So uh, sure enough, grade seven, they move out to Langley. And here's this skinny little gangly kid. And she starts working out with uh, grade 12s and stuff. And she gets the crap beat out of her. But she never backs down. She keeps going. And when we did any kind of physical training, lose a beast. You know, so she could run further than these kids. She could run faster than these kids, do stuff. And uh, she came in grade eight and she said, I want to play in the senior team. And I'm going, yeah, I don't think so. And so I said, well, Kelsey Adrian didn't play in grade eight. I don't think. Nope, no, I'm going to play. Okay. And she came. She got the crap literally beat out of her every day in practice. Didn't get to play a whole lot. You know, fortunately, we were up you know, a lot of games, so she would get some minutes. But she just sat there, worked hard, came in every morning and worked. And same thing grade nine. You know, she got to play a little bit more. And then grade 10, but she has this drive that she just wants to be, you know, an excellent player. And again, are there players, like Nor is like that. Uh, Maximu is a bit like that. Christina Van Aert, Darcy Arsini, McKinnon. You know, when you've coached hundreds of kids, you can name six or seven. There's a lot of kids that don't have that drive. You know, so Lou got, you know, start believing in herself. She make provincial teams, and she ended up making a junior national team. Uh, 
you know, just a really good player. You know, and I, she's one of my favorite kids. But uh, Ace, I mean, Ace is just a special kid. I don't, I don't know if you've, did you ever work with her at all in anything? Like no, the, I mean, I remember uh, when she was in grade seven or eight, she played in a senior spring league. And I was like, oh, you got a nice team. How old are these kids? I haven't seen them. And, and their dad was like, oh, we're in grade seven and eight. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, wait, they're going to be pretty good. And I remember she went to best for a little bit. And then and then uh, she played junior. Or sorry, she played junior as a grade eight. And we faced Carter. And because we had to. We had no option. We were going to lose. We had, we had one of the better junior teams in the province. And we were going to lose because this grade eight kept scoring. And it was it was kind of funny. So I mean, I, I never got to directly coach her, but I got to watch a lot of her play, and it was it was definitely impressive for sure. You know, see, I didn't know that about her. Like I, I don't really spend a lot of time following the younger the kids. So Brett Westcott was over at the house one day, and he said, uh, "Hey, basketball BC's having a, a thing up at Trinity Western. Let's go up and watch." So we went up to watch, and there was this new kid, and you know, I, I said, like, who is that? And, and he didn't know. We didn't, you know, we just watched. And we're sitting there, and this guy comes up and says, uh, hey, you Coach Brown? I go, yeah. He says, hi, I'm Frank Koenig. And that was my first time I had met Frank. So he said, uh, you're at Brookswood, blah, blah, blah. Tell me about your program. So I tell him, and he said, uh, hey, you know, we're living in down in Washington, and we're going to come back. And we'd really like to consider, you know, coming to Brookswood. So I said, yeah, go enroll. If you're in the school, I'd love to coach your kid. And, you know, I didn't talk to him again. I saw him at a tournament down in Oregon City. But just one day, they walk in the gym and they go, yeah, we're coming to Brookswood. I go, okay, let's get to work. And, yeah, let's be honest, the rest is history. The kid is a fantastic player, great leader. and. Uh, she was a great 10, I guess, when she came in. And it's kind of funny because Frank, you know Frank. Yeah. Frank, Frank's a good guy, but he says to me, uh, play your cards right. You're going to win three provincials in a row. And I go, yeah, you're a typical parent that dreams. But he was right, you know. And Frank is a pretty astute basketball guy. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, Ace, Jesse was in grade 12 when Ace was in grade 10. And – you know, she's doing her thing. And there was times where I, you know, I had to say to her, um, Jesse is the best shooter in the province. Do you understand that? She goes, yeah, get her the ball. Because Ace would come down and uh, she passed over here. Some kid would have a better shot than Jesse. But Jesse shooting the shot is a better shot because she's going to make it. So I said, when Jesse's open, you get her the ball. You understand? Yep. You know, and Chessie set crazy records for made threes. And she goes, my God, playing with Ace is just like heaven. And Ace just makes people better. She's like that. And then, you know, she goes in grade 11, and everyone starts to grow. Taylor Jackson grows into a player. Uh, Forsyth comes into her own. And I think we won three in a row. But uh, Ace is just a special kid, you know. And, and again... You know, I, I that Nor and Ace, they're the two best basketball players that I've coached, and they're the two best leaders that I've ever coached. And again, 
I don't think there was much I did to say, here's what a leader does, here's this or that. They kind of, that's who they are, you know, and like Nor runs a successful business. He's a leader, you know, Ace will be, you know, whatever the hell she decides to be, she will be super successful at it. But she's well, a well, it's kind of funny that, you know, you had one of them at the very beginning of your career and you had one of them at the very end of your, uh, you know, high school coaching career. It's kind of, kind of interesting that that's how it works. Yeah. You know, Ace, I, got, I went back to North Carolina a lot in Ace's grade or in her junior year. And it was, it's crazy. I mean, you travel around, you get to go to, to uh, pretty good games, but to be in North Carolina, and go to games is crazy. It, and when people, Ace would come over, you know, before the game, us with a buddy, and uh, she would talk to us about, you know, whatever the game, whatever. And uh, people would come up to us and say, How do you know her? I say, Oh, I coached her in high school. And they'd say, Really? I've got center court seats right on the floor. Do you want them? And they go, uh, What's up? He goes, well, man, if you, if you trained her, you're the reason she's here. And we want to give you these seats. And we would, I go, yeah, sure. Uh, people would come up and, and there was one time where this man comes up. He's, he says, excuse me, I don't want to bother you, but I see you know Ace Koenig. And I go, yeah, how do you know her? Explain it. He says, do you think you could introduce my daughter to her? <laughs> so Ace comes over and I say, hey, Ace, see that guy over here? He, his daughter wants to meet you. You know, Ace is so cool. The kid comes yeah. over. She, she the kid's cool. crying. Uh, Ace has a towel around her neck. So she says to the kid, you know, here's a towel, you know, because you're such a great fan. And, you know, I, without you, I can't do this. The kid's crying. <laughs> I'm tearing up. You know, it, it's just uh, so cool. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think you have, Oh my goodness. Um, Bruce had some very, very high level players. And then, you know, she, she was probably right in that, in that, you know, caliber of player. And at Utah, they had, they made the final four and they did their thing and, and uh, they won. And then she goes out and wins the ACC championship this year. Um, and it would have been interesting to see how they would have done in the tournament. It's kind of unfortunate. She never got the opportunity to play in the tournament because you know, their team was coming on strong and she was playing her best ball of her career. So it would have been cool to see for sure. No, I saw, I went to Hawaii and, and her team was playing in Hawaii in uh, October. And it's, it's so interesting to watch. Like Ace, when she was here, is a good athlete. I mean, she got defensive player of the year and nobody, let's be honest, nobody could stay with her. No. And when you're down there, all of a sudden you go, yikes, she's not as good of an athlete as I remember. And yet she, and, and I use this, I said, she uses her brain to beat faster people. Like to see her keep a defender off balance. Like you, she never got in a rhythm ever because she never allowed a defender to, to put her in a rhythm where they could dominate her. And uh, shot fakes, pass fakes. She just, these stud athletes, she just has them off balance the entire game. And I'm trying to think, you know, I must have taught her that, you know, I didn't teach her that. That's who she is. Yeah. Cause if I could teach that every kid would have done that, but she's just so smart. And again, nor was an extremely smart basketball player. So it's just 
you know, genetic. Sometimes you also get it, right? Like uh, I remember watching Gilbert Arenas, uh, ironically, sit courtside one time, and it looked like he was going half speed. But he, the way he played with his balance and his, his shiftiness, he made that people playing defense on him look like they were going a quarter speed, and it, and it worked for him. And so, I mean, seeing Ace have, uh, you know, such a nice finish to her career was kind of cool for me, uh, just as somebody who, who's around basketball for so long. So let, let's finish this off by going back, uh, young Neil Brown, if you could change uh, one or two things and make a couple adjustments. If you go back in time, what would, what would, you, what would you tell young Neil Brown he needs to take a look at? Well, when I was in grade 10, they, I don't know about you, but we were never, like Bobby Knight is, you, you, I'll call him my mentor coach. I've met him a couple of times, gone back to Indiana, but he is just a brilliant coach. He, not maybe the nicest man on earth, but he's a brilliant coach. And he said, like, basketball's the most undertaught overcoach game there is. And I didn't understand what that meant. But when I started to get into the game, like when I was in high school, we never were taught the game of basketball. We were coached in the game of basketball. And when I was in grade 10, Ken Shields came back to Prince Rupert, another Prince Rupert guy, and he was working with Mel Bishop and some of these guys. And, you know, Shields said, Brown, get over here. And I started working with them. And he just went off on how bad I was and how I didn't understand anything. I was lazy. Uh, so he, he tried to teach me how to play basketball. And I was reluctant, you know, I'm going, come on, there's a game over there. I want to go play. But I learned how to, one summer, he taught me how to play and then I forgot about it. But I wish if I could go back that I, I had teachers of the game of basketball. And that's what I try to do. I, I think I spent a lot of time teaching basketball, a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff, rather than coaching. I'm a far better teacher of basketball than I am a coach of basketball. Like lots, our games, it might look like I'm coaching. I'm not. I mean, they're on cruise control. And when I was a young man, I never really was taught the game of basketball. So I wish if I went back that I, I could be taught how to play. Uh -huh. And I, I think that's something that, uh, we have a problem that we don't teach. You know, I, I mean, when I started getting into coaching, uh, post-play, I, I hear I'm a coach at UBC, and I don't know much about post-play. Where would I learn it? You know, so I go, well, who's the best post-coach in the province? Pat Lee. He's out at Aldergrove. I mean, I get hold of Pat. I, he's doing camps. I go work his camps for free. And I, I say, I need to learn how to post-play. And I, I spent uh, two summers with Pat learning post play. And, you know, he teaches you how to play the post and then you actually go play. It's not, okay, you're in the post, throw the ball, let's go. Pat broke down where your arms were, where your hands were, how your feet were positioned, where your head was, where everything was. And, you know, I learned a lot from Pat. And, and that's something that I think we need to do far more of in this game is teach kids you know, what, uh, you know, how to play the game, where instead I think we're teaching uh, what to play. Like, here's a great offense, let's go do it. It's not the offense that wins. It's, it's, it's the offensive players that win. You know, so 
I mean, if I could go back again, I would be serious. But again, I would be more serious in school. I'll be honest with you. I just hung out at school. You know, I'm smart enough to get through. And that's how I did my life. And again, I would probably, if I went back, I would uh, get a little more serious with school. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah, funny you say that. It's got, I, feel the same, I feel the exact same way. I mean, I, I'm trying to get a kid to go to Harvard or, or Stanford at some point that I'm coaching. We'll see how that goes. One, one day, maybe. Well, I mean, I, when Ace, I know it, with Ace, it was down to um, uh, North Carolina State or Stanford. And, you know, we talked about it. She says, I'm going to go to North Carolina State. And, you know, I'm going, what? And, you know, I'm, I'm Stanford, blah, blah, blah. But then when I went back to North Carolina and I met the coaches, I mean, she made the right decision. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic place. And I'm sure Stanford is too. But that was just the right spot for her. And she made a great decision. Uh, so the rest is history. Well, thanks for joining us today, Neil. We actually, I think you broke the all-time record for longest interview we've ever done. So congratulations. <laughs> I like talking I like talking basketball, so. No, it's good. I didn't, uh, I'm the same thing with you, so that's why we lasted so long. Well, anyway, you know, I, you know, I want to thank, like, what you do for basketball. You know, I don't, I don't think uh, you get enough credit for what you do. And, you know, Langford, your sidekick, or if he's the boss, I don't know which one's the boss. I mean, one or the you, other, yeah, it's one or the other. You guys work with your teams as hard as anybody does. Then you do clubs, you do community stuff, you know, so uh, – I admire what you guys do. You're the real leaders out there in basketball. Right? Well, you know, it's funny because you have, when you're growing up, you have somebody, it's kind of different now, but back when I was growing up, we had coaches who just, it's all they did, right? It was their thing. They spent their time in the gym. They, they, they got you in the gym. When I was in grade seven, grade six, you know, our, our elementary school teachers were in the gym all the time and they kind of forced you to be in the gym. And, you know, when I got older, the, the coaching wasn't nearly as good and it wasn't as consistent and it wasn't as hard and it wasn't as, you know, thoughtful. And, and the, you could tell it just wasn't the same level. And it's like, okay, wait a second. I, I, if, if these guys could do this for me when I was a player, then I could probably do this for other people. So that's kind of what happened for him. You know, one thing I, I, w I would say too, like I have parents say to me, oh, my life is over. My kid's life is over this COVID lockdown we can't play, my life is over. And I tried to go, this might be the best year you'll ever have. Like playing is the dumbest thing you can do. Like I watch some schedule people do and I go, when do you practice? Oh, we don't. Yeah, this is the worst thing. Now you can't play. Now you're forced to practice. You should be the strongest athlete you've ever been because you can lift weights like crazy. You can get in the best shape you've ever been in because you don't have to worry about playing. And like I, I work with uh, six kids right now. I mean, I, they entertain me. I don't. Uh, but we do uh, a stair routine and uh, uh, a jumping speed type of stuff. And we, we do it every day. And they're just getting better and better and better. Well, I don't do it every day. We do a couple times a week. But they're getting better and better and better. And you can see the improvement on them. But if they were playing right now, they would not be doing this because they're at practice with whatever and they're learning, you know, here's our offense, here's our defense. But instead now, you know, they're, they're learning to become better athletes. And I think every kid out there and parent should go, Hey, there's a real silver lining in this lockdown. 
I'm not going to play down in Louisville, Florida, Atlanta, Dallas, Phoenix, Los Angeles, but I could work out every single day and get better and better and better. I, I think if we do have a season next year, we should see some of the best basketball players we've ever seen. Because well, I think what you'll do is you'll see some kids who have taken this very seriously, and you'll see some kids that have not taken it very seriously, and you'll and it'll be very definitive. This kid put in the time. This kid clearly did not put in the time. I remember when that kid was better than that kid. That's not the case anymore. And so it's it's yeah. It's, I, the I, thing I, about basketball is it's an honest sport. If you if you put in the time, it's no you can notice. And if you don't, it doesn't matter who you are. You can always notice that too. So anyway, thanks for joining us, Neil. I'm actually going to click that last piece so that people actually see it because I think that was some of the best stuff we've had. And we'll make that a single clip by itself. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon. How the hell do you shut this off now? Uh